having a good weekend? Uh, man, how different is the weather today from yesterday? Uh, yesterday was just, yeah, fierce, wasn't it? Uh, I've had a good weekend. Um, I had a good day yesterday. Went for a bike ride in the morning. Um, uh, my team won our water polo match yesterday afternoon, uh, which was good. Yeah, it's an exciting thing for me. Um, I've been playing uh, competitive water polo for 20 years. I just love it. Uh, I play for the Henley Sharks. Um, we play at the Marion Aquatic Centre uh, down there. Uh, I train four or five mornings a week. You've got to get up early to get down there and train. Um, a big fan of the Adelaide Jets, the local team that play in the AWL, the Australian Water Polo League. Uh, I try and get to as many of their games as we can. I, I just love the sport. It's just a thing for me, right? <sighs> yeah, I just love the sport. Um, of course, I don't play water polo, and uh, anyone who knows me at all knows that um, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Um, and, and why do you know that I don't play water polo, right? Because I never talk about water polo, right? You've never heard me mention the words water polo before. You'll probably never hear me mention the words water polo again. If I stood up here and I started talking about... Uh, about cycling or cooking or woodwork or something like that, you would, you would kind of follow the story, wouldn't you? Why? Because I talk about that all the time. It's no different with you, is it? I mean, I know in this place, I know that Emily loves to dance. I know that Paul loves Port Power, not just because he's wearing, <laughs> uh, he's wearing the colours. I know that Mark loves to make things and fix things. I know that Brad loves music. I know that Steve loves cooking. I know that Bev likes line dancing. I know that Christy likes Kermit the Frog and anything with bright colours. I'm just exposing people's lives this morning. This is the joy of doing what I get to do, you know? I know that Shayla loves animals. I know that Beck and Abby love to crochet. Uh, it's a weird thing, but uh, they do. So I, just, <clears throat> I don't understand it. Why do I know those things? Why do I know those things? Because people talk about this stuff. They, people talk about the stuff that they love all the time. You ask them what they did in the week, and it's how they spent their time. It's how they spend their money. It's what captures their heart, and they just can't stop talking about it, can they? I mean, you talk to Micah for 10 minutes and he's going to mention the word Lego somehow. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way that he works. If you're a follower of Jesus, I wonder what your friends would say about you. I wonder what your co-workers, what the people in your sport sports teams, what the people who live in your street would say about you. Would they say that you love Jesus? Would it be so evident to them by the way that you talk, by the things that you do, by the way that you spend your time and your money? Or if they discovered you're a Christian, would they be like, really? Would they be like you were when I tried to convince you that I love water polo? It's like that doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound like him at all, does it? Because he never talks about that. He never does that. And now he's telling me he's a Christian. 
If you're not a follower of Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Because you've had those moments where you've worked with someone and you've worked with them for quite some time and all of a sudden somehow it's come up in conversation that they're a Christian and you've thought to yourself, really? Really? I didn't know that. I, I, didn't, I didn't pick that about them. You had the same thought about them that you all had about me and my water, water polo story, right? And, and, and you thought one of two things. You thought either they're not really telling the truth about how important their Christian faith is because if this were real, you know, they would have mentioned it before now. Or you're thinking they must be so ashamed or embarrassed or awkward about this Christian faith thing that they just don't want to talk about it. Either way, you've thought to yourself, that's exactly the reason that I don't want to be a Christian in the first place. We're in part three of... Uh, a series that we're calling Seven Day Jesus, where we're looking at what it means to follow Jesus seven days a week. And we've said in the, in the setup to this that there's a big difference, isn't there, between like a, a weekend Christian and a seven-day Christian. You know, a weekend Christian, someone who, who goes to church on the weekend if they've got nothing better to do, someone who, who, who would who would serve somewhere maybe if it was sort of convenient for them. They believe in God. Maybe they'll even admit that they're a Christian if you ask them the question. But there's a whole different thing to be a seven-day follower of Jesus. And this series is about exploring the difference and I guess asking ourselves importantly, how do we get from here to there? We talked about the foundation of a daily time spent with God, particularly in our Bible, in reading the Bible and in prayer. We said that these things are like the foundation for any seven-day faith. They connect us with God daily. They remind us. They teach us. They encourage us. They they keep our faith sort of in the front of our mind. They keep our, our faith on our hearts seven days a week. Last week, we talked about making godly decisions. We talked about making daily decisions that are in line with our faith, decisions about how we spend our time and about how we spend our money. Decisions about what we do and what we say. I mean, we make hundreds of decisions. When you think about it, we make hundreds of decisions every day. And we all get to decide how we make those decisions. We all get to decide what will influence the way that we make those decisions. A seven-day faith makes daily decisions in line with our faith. As we read last week, following the example of Jesus... And walking in love. But a seventh day faith isn't just about what happens inside you. A seven day faith is, all, is lived outside the church, it's lived out in the world, and it has an impact on the world around us. Other people see it, they hear about it, people notice a seven day faith. And it's been that way since the very beginning. When, when Matthew, one of Jesus' first uh, followers, we call them the disciples, that group, when he sat down to write a biography of the life of Jesus toward the end of his own life, he writes about Jesus' life, begins with his birth, he, he, he writes about his birth and his life, he writes about his death, he writes about the resurrection. 
But he doesn't end his story with a resurrection. He ends his story with the final words that Jesus ever spoke to him. This is Matthew 28, verse 16. These are literally the last words in the biography, in the biography that Matthew wrote. Matthew 28, 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. These are literally the, the final words that Jesus would ever speak to his followers, actually the final words that he would ever speak on earth. It's like his, it's like his final motivation speech, you know, the, the speech that the coach gives you just before you go out. You've been training all week. It's the last speech that the coach gives you before you run out on the field of play. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Jesus' last words to his followers are, go and share my story. Go and tell other people, go and tell the whole world about me. Mark and Luke end their stories of Jesus pretty much the same way with very similar words. And Matthew and the 11 that were with him, they went out and they did that. They, they started sharing and they started sort of collecting people who heard the story and who believed in the resurrection of Jesus. And the first church grew up around them and the first church was all about this way of living. Listen to the way Paul describes it in a letter years, a couple of decades later that he writes to the church in Corinth. Uh, the, the, the Christian faith has moved hundreds of kilometres away to cities in all directions, uh, including into the city of Corinth. And Paul writes a letter. This is 2 Corinthians 5 for those making notes. Verse 11, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. I mean, since then we know what it is to worship God, to be in awe of who he is. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try and persuade others, Paul writes. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. There's that same new creation language that we read, that we read and talked about last week. This next bit's a little bit wordy, but it's really good. Verse 18, and all this that Paul's talking about, all this is from God who reconciled us. Reconciliation to, to kind of bring us back into a good relationship with God. Just the same way as we'd use the word reconciliation. If, if two people, maybe at school or at work, if they've had an argument and they're kind of apart, you would go into a reconciliation. You, you'd put those two people in a room together, probably with a mediator, someone in the middle who would talk it out and who would bring those people back into a solid relationship together. All this is from God who reconciled us back to himself 
through Christ, and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That's the message of reconciliation, friends. The God was, that the God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Not counting people's sins against them. And he, was, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, Paul's talking about now the group that he's, he is with, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There's a lot more to this letter and I encourage you to go home and read it. It's a fantastic part of, uh, of our New Testament scriptures. But I want you to see the link between what Paul believed and his passion to share that belief with others. He describes himself as an ambassador. Oh, we still use that word today, don't we? We, we have ambassadors. They are, they are people that represent, for us, mostly when we think about that, for people who represent one country inside another. I looked it up this week. Australia's ambassador to Indonesia is a lady called Penny Williams. She's an Australian citizen. She's fully Australian, but she lives permanently in Indonesia. And her job is to represent the Australian people. Her job is to represent our culture and our beliefs, and our law, and our value inside the country of Indonesia. And Paul says that we, we being believers in Jesus, that we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God on earth. He says that at the point that you give your life to Jesus, at the point that if you're a person sitting here today and you say, you know, I've said yes to Jesus, at that point you get reborn. You get reborn and you become a new citizen of a new kingdom. You get reborn into the kingdom of God. And your role is to be an ambassador for that kingdom inside the world that you live in, inside this world. Let me put it another way. God has placed a special representative of his kingdom at your workplace. Did you know that? God has placed a special representative of himself in your school. God has placed a representative of himself at your university. God has placed a representative of himself in your sports team. And it's you. It's you. As a, as a pastor of mine used to say, there's no plan B. Jesus doesn't have another plan to reconcile the world, to bring people back to himself other than you. You are his first and last plan to bring the world back into right relationship with God. And since Paul wrote those words, there have only ever been two ways that people do that. Number one with their words... And number two, with their actions. Now, anytime I talk about this with people, I always hear some people say, well, I just speak the message and God will do the rest. 
You know, they, they talk like it doesn't matter how I live as long as I speak the words. And sometimes people like that will then, will then quote Bible verses to me about the power of the word of God, right? So we just kind of put the word out there and then we don't need to worry about it and God will do the rest. And I kind of get that. Except that the life of Jesus and the life of the early church tell us the exact opposite is true. I mean, Jesus' life was lived full-time alongside people. Hanging out with people, being with people, ministering to people, listening to people, getting life on life with people around him. The early church spent their time loving on the world around them in really practical ways. You read the book of Acts, you read any of the letters that Paul and the other people write to the early church and and almost kind of drip fed all through those letters are these stories and these references to the way that the early church lived in the community amongst them, sharing with people, being generous and hospitable and loving on people around them. Sharing our faith is always more than just about the words we speak. But then I also hear people when I talk about this stuff who will say, well, I don't need to talk about my faith. I'll let my actions do the talking. And they love to quote this fantastic quote. Some of you have heard this, this quote that says, share your faith at all costs and use words if necessary. You heard that? It's not from the Bible. Um, it's, it, it's, a, it's a quote that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but I was reading it up this week. He never said that. Um, I was reading a couple of biographers who were really antsy about the fact that St. Francis of Assisi never said that, and we shouldn't say that, that he said that. The idea is simple, that if I act godly enough, then other people will just kind of get the message. I won't actually have to say anything. But if we can be honest this morning... We can be honest this morning. The idea that people are going to watch my life, the idea that people are going to watch your life, and that it is just going to be so unbelievably godly that they're going to say yes to Jesus without you saying a thing is quite frankly ridiculous, isn't it? The idea that people are just going to see me walking around and go, that guy's just so amazing, I just want to follow Jesus right now. I mean, think about it. Surely Jesus acted more godly than I'm ever going to do, right? Jesus acted more godly. And he talked to people all the time about his faith. I mean, the early church, you know, those Peter and Paul and these, these kind of heroes of the faith, they acted pretty godly, didn't they? But they talked to people all the time using words. Sharing our faith is always a combination of both the way that we live and the words that we speak to others about our faith. And as I read the Bible, it seems to me that there's no one right way to share our faith with others. I mean, Jesus spoke to large gatherings, sometimes about his faith. You can read that, Matthew 5 uh, to 7 in your Bible. At other times, Jesus met one-on-one with people to talk about faith. Famous story of him meeting a guy called Nicodemus late at night. John chapter 3. Jesus spoke in the synagogue, which was kind of the closest version to they had, I guess, equivalent to our church. He went to church and spoke to people there. Read about that in places like Luke chapter 4. But Jesus also sat in people's homes, sat around the dinner table and shared faith there. 
John chapter 11 is a great story around that. The early church loved people sometimes in organised ways. They set up programs that people signed up for and they loved people that way. You can read about that in Acts chapter 6. But then they also took all sorts of random opportunities just as they came. Something just randomly happened and they just followed that. Acts chapter 8 is another good example of that. Sometimes people shared their faith by quoting scripture. Acts chapter 8 is another good example of that. Sometimes they didn't. In, in Acts chapter 17, Paul shares with faith with people. He doesn't quote any scripture. In fact, he quotes uh, a poet like from their popular culture. It would be the equivalent of me sharing faith and using uh, lyrics from a Taylor Swift song to make my point. Right? Yes, someone's like, amen. <laughs> right. That's, that's the kind of faith I'm up for. <clears throat> the point is, there's no one right way to share our faith. I'm not here this morning to say we should all be saying this or we should all be doing this. What I do want to say is that your job as an ambassador for the kingdom of God is to find a way that works for you and do that. There's heaps of ways out there, just for fun, uh, uh, during this week, I googled how to share your faith, right? It's just pages and pages of, of people with like 10 tips and five things to say, and there's, there's, there's online courses that you can follow through, um, there's whole kind of Bible study things that, you know, will give you, because sometimes people, you know, want scripture and whatever, or, you know, that will kind of walk you through verses in the Bible, there's masses of stuff out there to help you and to coach you and encourage you and to give you tips and tools and ideas. What I want to show you this morning is simply that sharing our faith is a normal part of what it is to follow Jesus. It's not a weird thing that some people do. It's not something that, that, you know, just someone like me does from up the front. It's a normal, it has always been a normal part of what it is to follow Jesus. And I want to suggest it's an essential part of what it is to live a seven-day faith. Sharing your faith is normal. It's essential. I want to suggest this morning, it's also natural. Well, at least it's natural for someone who has a seven-day faith in Jesus. I mean, think about it. If you've got a faith that is built on a daily connection with God, if you are every day in the Bible and in prayer, if you are every day making godly decisions, if you are making decisions in your workplace and in your school and at uni and wherever you are, making decisions that are in line with your faith, then you will start to see things the way that God sees things. You will be aware of things in the world around you. Things will come to mind. People will notice. They'll look twice. They'll ask questions. And sharing your faith becomes so much more natural than it is if you're living a weekend kind of faith and then out in the week just trying to kind of manufacture some way to slip the word Jesus into a conversation. I mean, when I started talking about water polo, it was kind of funny and weird, wasn't it? Because any of you who know anything about me were like, well, this just, doesn't, this just doesn't work with this guy at all. The more I talked about it, the more stupid it got, right? 
but it's totally natural for Emily to start talking to us about dance. It doesn't seem weird at all when Micah starts talking to us about Lego. You don't blink twice when Steve starts telling you about what he, what he cooked last night and, and, and you know, like the, the ingredients that he used and some terrific recipe he found. You don't wonder when Brad starts talking to you about a, a new song that he's heard and some music and a recording studio thing that he was doing. You don't think twice when Shayla starts talking about the animals that she's been working with this week or, uh, you know, you'd, I mean, you get a little bored when start, Paul starts talking about football. But, you know, other than that, <laughs> it's normal and it's natural and you smile and put up with it and Port don't win very much and they're winning at the moment, so it's all okay, you know. <clears throat> and as much as it pains me to say, <clears throat> as much as it pains yeah, that's right. His fiance's like whacking him going, Paul! And as much as it pains me to say this in public, it almost feels natural when Beck and Abby talk about crochet. Uh, I'm, st I'm still trying to work out how we live in a world where 21-year-old girls crochet. When I grew up, they were just like 85-year-old ladies, but <clears throat> it's a new world. But you get what I'm saying, don't you? When, when someone is just so into something, when it's so obviously a part of who they are, it's totally natural for them to talk about it in a way that it would be weird if someone else were talking about it. I mean, I don't think we do, but if we had someone in the church here who really was into water polo, they could have said exactly the same things to you that I said this morning and it would have seemed totally natural, wouldn't it? It would have seemed normal in a way. It didn't seem normal when I said it because it's obviously not a part of who I am. Sharing our faith isn't about arguing with people about parts in the Bible. That's not sharing your faith, that's arguing with people. Sharing your faith isn't uh, about judging someone else for the choices they've made. That's not sharing your faith, that's judging someone for the choices they've made, right? We're not trying to recruit people to an organisation. We're not trying to raise money. Sharing your faith is simply about your belief that there is a God that created every person on the planet. It's about sharing your, your belief that that God loves people, loves every person on the planet, no matter what they look like, no matter what colour their skin is, no matter what life choices they are making and have made. It's about your belief that that same God, that same God so wants to be reconciled to that person, to every person, that he would sacrifice his own son to make that possible. And that Jesus' life and death and resurrection offers people, offers every person you ever meet an opportunity to experience new life and hope and joy and freedom that, quite frankly, we cannot find in any other way in our lives. That's it. That's it. That's what it means to share our faith. We share our faith because we love God with all our heart and we love people with everything we've got. Jesus did it wherever he went. It's like he could not share his faith. The early church, the one, that, the one that Matthew and Paul were a part of, they couldn't stop. I mean, people tried to stop them. 
people beat them and tortured them. They killed some of them, but they couldn't stop them sharing their faith. This was so much a part of who they were. This, this, was, this was so important to them. They loved other people so much. This is crazy to think of. They actually thought it was a blessing if they got killed for their faith because Jesus got killed for the faith. And so if you get killed sharing your faith, it's like, it's like you're on the team. They actually did that. They actually believed that. They couldn't, they literally couldn't be stopped sharing their faith. And seven day followers of Jesus have been doing it ever since. The Christian faith hasn't spread across the entire world because people built churches. You know, it wasn't like people built churches and people went, oh, just go in and see what's happening. The world didn't get changed because people went to church. The world didn't get changed because people closed their eyes and raised their hands in worship. The world didn't get changed. The world didn't even get changed because people read their Bible in quiet at home. The Christian faith has spread across the world and the world has been changed because people shared their faith. Because people lived out their faith in Jesus. Because people passionately told others about what it means to follow Jesus. And they did that normally and naturally. Just as normally and naturally as they would talk about anything else that they loved to do.